Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, I know I didn't have a um, Christmas episode, and I usually have a Christmas episode. A lot of that is honestly because I've been bu- busy dealing with a house we just bought, and like, doing very adult things, so... I'm recording this actually super late compared to what I usually record. I usually record right about yeah, 5 o'clock on a third day. Um, today I'm recording at 7.25, so this is going to be fun. Also, I'm super tired, kept alive by Coke. Coca-Cola, not cocaine, to be clear. Um, but all that said, thank you so much for listening to my last episode, which was on a manga. Especially you, Slate, I, I appreciate you being like, I'm gonna listen to this! Even though I have no idea what it is. Um, and I saw that you got the box set of a wreck of seven. My note is enjoy. That show is fucking incredible. Um, although I have a hunch you already know that, dude. Um, and also, there was also Christmas happening. So, um, I saw Danny. We are, I swear, going to do the other half of Naked Director. We just need to get our shit together to do it. But, um, yeah, so that's all the stuff happening. Um, now I want to get into what we're talking about today, which, because of a combination of factors, mostly I'm tired, lazy, and interested, we're going to talk about My Hero Academia.
Now, as I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know, because I know that my podcast gets a bump in listenership after I do panels, and kind of like it bumps and stays somewhat, it doesn't dip back down a lot of times, which I'm happy with, personally. Um, I know that a lot of you know that I do yearly panels at a small fan-run convention called Liberty City Anime, which I think has tickets on sale already right now. Panel submission isn't open yet, so I haven't dealt with it yet because I usually submit panels and then figure out if I need to buy a ticket because for a certain amount of panels, they just give you a ticket, which is nice. Um, But my big panel, the panel that I started doing panels with the panel that I'm so far proudest of for a lot of reasons, which if you've seen it, you're like, oh, this makes sense, um, is my Full Metal is my Full Metal and Beyond an Exploration of Disabilities panel. And a big sore, a, a big um, elephant in the room, lots of people want to, lots of people bring up to me is like, why don't you talk about My Hero Academia? And uh, the reason they asked that, the reason that people ask that is because it's an incredible, it's an incredible pop, it's an incredibly popular show. It would put butts in seats, which at this point in that panel, it doesn't always need. Like some years, it like three quarters fills the room. Other years, it's like wall to wall people. <laughs> Which is great, especially, and, um, actually, last year, all, three, with the exception of my new panel, which I, last times, expect won't do as well as other panels, as the, as old panels I do, because old panels have an established, like, people have gone to see them before, and they'll come back to see how it's updated, and all that fancy jazz, um, people will... People come to see my panels now, so it's not its not like they necessarily need the bump of, of um, like a popular show being attached to it. People come to see because they know what they're coming to see and they want to see what I have to say or they've heard about it from other people, all that cool, all that cool jazz. And the other reason why I don't, why well, I haven't put... My um My Hero Academia in that panel just yet is because the reason why people want to see it in there is because it has a lot of parallels to be drawn with accessibility, disability, you know, what it's like to exist as a disabled person in the world, all that stuff. And so I'm going to go on a little bit of a of an American cartoon tangent here. One of my favorite American cartoons is um, the 1990s X-Men. I actually quite like the like early 2000s X-Men Evolution, but X-Men, I think X-Men Evolution only had... It, it, it ran at a really glacial pace and wanted to be a different kind of thing than the original 90s X-Men wants to be. And what I mean by that is, X-Men, 
X-Men is always inherently a show, a show meant to have a conversation about, um, where should I put this? A show meant to have a conversation about racism is the bottom line. Like, it always wants to be about racism is bad, stop it. And it, and more and more, overarchingly, it wants to be about prejudice. Period is bad. Stop it. And all the X Men stuff produced, including the early two thousands movies, including X Men Evolution, all of the X Men stuff has an underlying racism bad, prejudice bad, discrimination bad. And the way, the way they drive that home in the movies is they make sure that you know that um, Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> and the reason why I slightly laugh at that is because I, it's a really, really universal way to say, to say to adults, like, this dude has a fucking reason. <laughs> And watching the 1990s cartoon, they changed that to be that he's a um, survivor of genocide, which is basically, which is more than basically, it is the same thing, but on a different scale. But the reason why I'm talking about X-Men right now is because it has a lot in common with, it as a property has a lot in common with, um... What's it called? With uh, My Hero Academia. And what I mean by that is, X-Men is about a group of super-powered people, you know, running around the world, running all over the place, around the world in the cartoon, but all over the place in general, using those powers for good. And it's about... the And the other really interesting thing is, Everybody, like, re everybody's response to Bakugo is very, as if you've never seen him before. As if you've never seen someone who's just pissed off. Like, constantly, like, the level of anger is constant for Bakugo. It, it, like, he, there's never a moment where he's, soft, where he's like, soft-spoken and, like, okay with the world. He's just always pissed. And now, in um, My Hero Academia, that is because he has the kind of quirk that people have praised, and they built him up his entire life. And so, he is constantly pissed off because he believes he's not where he's supposed to be. And that is at the top, at all times. But in X-Men, they have a different version of a constantly pissed superhero character, not supervillain. in Wolverine. And so we already have two we all have more than we all have three parallels. But in addition to but the reason why I don't talk about why I'm only going to add my hero now in the fourth year of doing that panel when I do the Full Metal Beyond panel in um in in August ish this year, um, I hope, is because 
my hero up until maybe the, up until maybe up until they introduced the villain characters and really up until they introduced the Yakuza character, and it's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about it in this season, because I, I've read up until after the, um, the Yakuza power-stealing arc that we're on right now. Like, I've read up until that, and then I kind of dropped off the manga, because while the manga is good, I, I prefer to take, like, big, powerful shonen properties in anime form, because... The flow of animation, to me, helps you build the kind of, like, groundswell of adrenaline and hype for certain moments. Like, the, um, Overhaul's Quirk is a perfect example. There's a... There's certainly, like, it's drawn beautifully in the manga section for this arc... But seeing it in action and seeing, like, and seeing him in person and them giving him the voice, the the English and Japanese voice actors they give him, and, like, coding him the way you'd code, like, a traditional old-school Yakuza member out loud and, like, patient, but, but like, quiet, actually, what I should say is, quietly impatient with anything he doesn't have immediate control over, like, in control at all times, is a Like, the, the voice acting, the animation, the mannerisms in motion really help sell that character. And just, like, I felt the same way about, um... All for one. Like, the animation helps sell that mannerism and those characters so that, like, you become more invested because you see the characters. But what I really liked about the Yakuza arc so far is they give all the, um, they flesh out the bad guys and they give the bad guys motivation. And... I know I do this all the time on this podcast. I, like, go into, like, really serious things when really people just want to hear me ramble about anime they like. But the seri- the reason why I go into serious things is because those serious things are important, and the reason you like them, you, you like a lot of anime, and why certain anime gets really popular and stays really popular is oftentimes those really serious things presented in a way where it's not punching you in the face, so to speak. So what I mean by that is, and I'm going to come back to 90s X-Men here, actually. If you watch the 1990s X-Men cartoon, it is so obvious. It is so, it's like dripping from every single cell of the animation. And by the way, you can watch the whole of the 1990s X-Men on Disney Plus right now, in case you're wondering how I'm watching it. I'm not I'm not pulling the VHS tapes out of my library, I promise. I got rid of those, I think. I think I sold them. Um, but the 
1990s X-Men feels like like an educational moment when you're watching it lots of times. And lots of cartoons of the mid to late 90s feel like that. Especially in America, feel like they're trying to teach you morals. And that's true of cartoons even now. It's not uncommon, but especially in... It's not uncommon for those for cartoons to do that now, but especially in, say, the mid-90s to, like, the... to, like, 2000... to, like, 2010, let's say, probably. I bet it was still happening when I was... when I graduated college. I'm not super sure, but I'm fairly certain. Um, you'd get at least one episode, um, on why drugs are bad. Um... And a great example of that is there's an episode on um uh, on drugs from Batman from Batman Beyond that I think is just straight up called Smack or Smackers or something. And it's all about kids doping up for sports and then becoming like rageaholic assholes because they're on super drugs made by Bane out of a castle. <laughs> and the whole thing feels like you should see a truth logo at the end of it, and it. Lots of cartoons, lots of cartoons of the er, of the mid to late nineties and early two thousands, uh, it have this thing going for them, and they think to themselves, "Oh wait, now, we've like drawn everybody in. Now we can have this one episode where we're like." doing a public service and telling kids drugs are bad. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about that intrinsically. But looking back at it, you, like, feel the hand of, like, adults being like, okay, all drugs are bad for you. Even pot. Pot will kill you. It will turn your lung black and it will drop directly out of your chest. And there's a, um... This, also, when you watch those episodes as an adult, the real PSA quality that is, like, preachy. And that and that's just, like, it's not... It's not cool. It doesn't feel cool. And X-Men, because of the way... Because of X-Men as a... As a... Um, story and what X-Men is trying to do with its storytelling is primarily about prejudice and prejudice towards quote-unquote mutants, which is expands to mean disabled people, um, different races, basically anybody you can Im any any other, any group of people or other that you can imagine. Um, and but because X-Men's whole ethos is about prejudice is bad, it feels less like an infomercial and more like just the point of the story. Um, what... While My Hero Academia dodges that because it's a cartoon from... It's a cartoon... It's a it's cartoon from contemporary culture. What it does is... What it starts to do with the Hasaikai arc, the, um, Yakuza Hasaikai arc, is it starts to introduce 
something that's always been in the background of everything so far, but has never been exact, but has never been exactly, like, pointed at and been like, oh, this exists in this world. And that is, it starts to introduce the idea that people in this society, that people, that there are people who don't fit in in society, and there are people whose quirks, which are um, My Hero Academia's version of superpowers, or actually, they're actually My Hero Academia's version of mutant powers, which is another X-Men, like, intersection, um... There are people whose quirks don't fit in society. They like they they are in they are inherently evil. And and inher and also inherently truly dangerous. And there are people whose as a result of their quirks are um have some form of mental mental illness. There are people who just they grew up in such a way that they don't fit in in society, and the thing I like about um My Hero Academia the best on that score is that they they make a point to say well that that doesn't mean that everybody doesn't fit in fit in society doesn't fit into society because they're just weird. Some are just like selfish assholes and selfish weirdos who like should have had something guiding them that turns them into a better version of a weird, odd thing. So, like, a perfect example of this is Himiko Toga. Himiko Toga gives her motivation up front and out loud in um, the, actually the most recent episode of the Hasaikai arc, when she says, I just want a world where I can do whatever I want. And she is, very, like, very clearly obsessive. She finds someone or something that she... She finds someone that she likes, and she very clearly obsesses over them and, like, has a sole focus on them. Um, right now in the story, that is Deku. Um, but the thing about society is, like, you know... You need to be more accepting of people's feelings. Like, maybe that person doesn't want to be a friend for no reason other than they just aren't interested, and that's fine. But Himiko Toga, because of the way that her quirk works, which basically means her quirk requires that she consume someone's blood so she can turn into so she can turn into that person. It, any quirk that involves blood and the consuming of blood is, like, going to inherently be seen as, like, oh, gross. Why? And that's going to scare people. It's going to scare people in the same way that people with disabilities scare people and put people off. But the thing with My Hero Academia is, and, and this is true of, reality with people with disabilities and people of other races and um, definitely X-Men is people are born with these with these superpowers. They don't get a choice. At like four years old, they develop an extra toe in their an extra bone in their pinky toe and they're off to races with whatever superpowers 
like, develop in them. And that could be anything from, you know, super strength to they start to look like a fence post to, you know, they have to, they can breathe fire to they can make small objects float to they can make any object float infinitely in the sky if they touch it with their weird finger pads, higher Araka, um, to anything. So, what is basically happening in the society of My Hero Academia is they are self-selecting what they deem to be acceptable quirks. They are self-selecting people who they deem to be acceptable. And if you are, and if you are in some way like not acceptable, but you are useful, you can still be accepted in society by becoming a hero. If you look at Endeavor, Endeavor is a flaming asshole of a human. He is like a stain on humanity. But because he has used his like ability to create fire and all like a ability to just like shoot fire out of his body as a hero and to save people instead of to hurt them until he became the number one hero, which he is currently in the show. He was totally accepted. People were, like, fine with him as a number two. They were a little creeped out by him, but All Might's there, so it's fine. But what's interesting is Endeavor actually ended up being the crack, the, um, crack in the armor of this, like, socially acceptable construct. I know that's a really big phrase, um, especially coming from me, um, for... My hero, my hero society, and what that means is, once he became the number one hero, people were really uncomfortable with him, because the thing about All Might, and this is this is really interesting about All Might, is he made an effort to be everything that people wanted in a superhero. He made an effort to be. Superman without the bad parts of Superman. And if you've never comprehended the bad parts of Superman, go, like, find the Justice League Justice Lords, the just I think it's Justice League Unlimited, and find the Justice Lords arc, in which you find out that it's through a time travel um, storyline that um, I think it's Batman and Wonder Woman get catapulted into the future, at, into a version of the future where the Flash is killed by, like, a supervillain, and that sends every single Justice League member into this spiraling nightmare where they become an alternate version of themselves called the Justice Lords, and, like, if you commit a crime, Superman descends from the fucking watchtower and uses his laser vision to lobotomize you. Um, 
but which is terrifying, which is truly terrifying. But um, so do you have to be that? No. Do you have to be Endeavor? No. Do you have? But how long and how um truthful is it to be All Might? Because All Might. All Might couldn't keep being All Might. All Might ended up getting hurt and almost dying because he was obsessed with keeping up the, with the appearance. But what that appearance had done, what that, like, what the Shining Star has done is it has made, it has cast shadows all over, all over society so that, like, you know, um, what's his face? Creepy Hands guy, I forget his name. Um, he can't, he has a quirk that he can, he was ripe for being turned into a, into a supervillain, basically. You know, Himiko Toga, at some point, falls through the cracks because one too many, because, you know, a girl had, you know, a girl asks her what's her, what, a girl in her class, is like, what's your quirk? She's like, oh, come here. Cuts her finger, licks it, and turns into her. And then, when the girl's like, ew, gross, she melts out of it. And then there's twice. And now, one of the things I think is interesting about the way, about the way they do My Hero Academia's season structure is actually they always start the season on a non, on a Filler episodes is not important, and what that allows them to do is it allows you to re it allows them to reintroduce all the characters in a totally natural way. It gives people a soft jump on point, but it also allows people to do allows them to do is a kind of storytelling that isn't that isn't easy to do unless you at the episode count they're currently at. And what I mean by that is, and I'm doing a new panel on story building, or I'm going to start working on it on the starting on the first of the year, um, is that story building wise, one of the reasons why all the great examples of story building are like these long running shonen action shows is because these long running shonen action shows are running for so long that story building becomes a necessity. What I mean by that is if you're going to spend, you know, 200 plus episodes in a single world, then you have to start, then by, then by sheer mathematics, you will start to learn things about this, that world. Look at a show like One Piece. A show like One Piece, by the time they get off of each island, you have an idea of the politics of those islands. You have an idea of who's in charge, who's, you know, under them, and who's under them, and who's being oppressed, and all this shit. And that happens for every single island that the Straw Hat crew lands on. Um, another great example is Naruto. Because of the sheer mass of Naruto, you meet all these characters from all these different villages. The movies tell... The movies are basically extended 
world-building exercises, and everything weaves into this mat that makes it so, but if you watch literally all of Naruto, I'm not talking about the important parts, I'm not talking about skipping filler, I'm talking to filler, all of it, all of it, all the movies, everything, you would come away with a probably pretty rock-solid understanding of what the world of Naruto is. And also this includes Boruto, because they develop more stuff in Boruto. And that's because that show is so popular that it needs to keep running, and unfortunately, its season structure is endless, meaning that they don't take breaks. There's a new episode of Naruto, there was a new episode of Naruto every week until it ended. And they need to fill that time with something. But what, because of the way My Hero Academia does its season structure, which is they have proper seasons, they, t they take breaks in between seasons so they can catch up on the next season that will be airing after the season that's about to air. So what that translates to is it means that A, the animators have better working conditions, better timelines, can do more work, do more quality work per season than the Naruto animators could because the Naruto a animators' schedule was so compressed because as soon as one episode aired, you had to already be working on the second ep on the next episode. And that meant that there were drops in animation quality you know, compromises, all kinds of things. Um, but what My Hero Academia's, like, season-to-season season jumps do is by using basically an OVA episode, by making a filler episode, at the beginning of the season, especially this season, what they do... Actually, was that... It might have been last season. I saw... Yeah, I think it was last season. I'm not, I'm not super sure. But, um, actually it was last season. What the last season season arc did was it followed Twice. And I forget Twice's real name. But Twice, his quirk is he can make a second thing of anything. Of anything or anyone. So, he in his introduction, his, like, appearance... He made a second Dobby, which meant that there was a second Dobby running around the forest with the with Class One A. In but in the OVA episode, what you find out is that Twice isn't just that part of Twice's quirk isn't just that he makes two things of people. It's that he as a person is like, has two separate personalities. And the way that he deals with that is that he has a mask. I, like, he, he... So, there's a thing called, ma called mask improv, and what basically that means is mask improv is you put on a mask and you embody the spirit of what you think the mask is. Not what what you as the actor want it to be, but what the, the you believe the mask is. And that can be all kinds of things. And the reason I know this is because I've been trained in it, because I've done 
not a lot of acting training, but enough, especially improv training to, you know, know what I'm doing. Um, credibly know what I'm doing, not just being stupid about it. And Twice's costume serves the purpose of hiding his actual identity, but also what it does is it creates a clean separation between Twice and the actual person who is Twice. If that makes any sense. I forget the character's real name. Like, non like civilian name. And in the OVA episode, you he explains, like, there are people in society who, like, we, we can't fit into the society created. And we can't fit into this, like, rigid, narrow expression of what a quirk is and what a good quirk is and what society is. And that's super common for a society not just like Japan but like America there are plenty of people in America who just don't fit the mold and who don't fit the mold even close enough to like truly participate i f and oftentimes people who watch anime they watch it for an expression of something that they can relate to they haven't found somewhere else. That's certainly part of the reason I watch it, and it's probably part of the reason if you're listening to this and you don't think I'm insane, you watch it. But the thing about American society is that we have an intense, like, individualist streak. You know, um, and it, people, and America is a society of the individual. And that's shown in things like, you know, in, in, real, in with the kinds of popular characters we see in media. For example, the most popular X-Men is Wolverine. An, like an, a rugged, self-dependent, self dependent, like, invincible asshole. The most pops are and he's treated, he's treated differently than the rest of the X-Men in even the 1990s X-Men cartoon. You spend a lot more time with Wolverine than you do with many of the other X-Men. But in My Hero Academia, the characters who are like, who are celebrated are the characters who are more like Cyclops than Wolverine. Who are the, the characters who are more interested in the, in the greater good of humanity than in doing something, in doing the thing that they believe in. Um, that is true of Deku, that is true of Ida, that is true of Many, 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 many of the bad guys. That is of of the good guys, rather. That is even true in the at the end of the day of a character like Bakugo. Um, but the sad truth is, is that the that the society as the way it's structured will never accept certain people 
for reasons that they have no control over. And they and there will always be cracks in My Hero Academia society until they deal with it, until they deal with these things, that people can fall through and they can become villains or super villains and, like, gravitate towards the League of Villains. Not because they are necessarily terrible people, but because they are given no other choice by the people around them. You know, Twice's split personality makes it really hard for him to work, makes it really hard for him to, like, be a part of society, makes it really hard for him to, like, be with another person. And Toga is, uh, like, for all of Toga's fetishistic leanings, She's a teenager. She's a 17-year-old, basically. And because, But because of the way that her quirk works, she was probably, at from a very young age, you know, kept, kept at a distance. Like, oh, weird. That's the blood-transforming girl. Let's not play with her. She'll, if we scrape a knee, she might lick it and turn into us. That's creepy. I don't like it. Go away, Toga. Same thing as, same thing with Stain. Stain's quirk, once again, involves eating blood. But, like, involves eating blood and then basically causing you to, um, have sleep paralysis while you're awake. So, have be paralyzed for, like, minutes at a time, which is terrifying. And it's just... So I, I am actually... I am going to work it into um, my next um, performance of Full Metal and Beyond. But I just... I wanted to talk through it because I, I've, I've been watching because, once again, it's available on Disney+. Plus a lot of the X-Men, and the way the X-Men deals with it is, I think, really, like, is a thing that makes it really understandable, and they have, and they're looking to have a complex conversation about a complex issue, and acknowledge that there are, that there's no, that the only wrong answer is to completely exclude people. And so there's an episode, um, the Apocalypse arc of the original 90s cartoon starts with Rogue finding out she can have her mutation cured. And if you don't know anything about X-Men or you don't know who Rogue is, Rogue's mutation is that if she touches anybody who's a normal human, she saps their life force, basically knocks them out. If she touches them for long enough, she kills them. If she touches a mutant, she gains their mutant power plus some of their life force. Meaning that, but that means that generally, unless she's like hugging you and and you're drowning and you're taped, duct taped together, you know, you'll survive as a mutant. But what it actually means is she has no 
physical contact, no direct physical contact with any other person. With not even any other person, almost any other thing. It doesn't affect like trees and shit, but I'm sure it would affect like pets and animals. And I don't know if you find this out in the cartoon, but you learn that she. You, the first thing you always learn about Rogue is that at some point she had a boyfriend, and the way that she found out she was a mutant is she kicked her boyfriend, and he ended in, he ended up in the ER. And then at some point she had a a boyfriend who was a mutant who like could fly, and the reason Rogue can fly is that she kissed him, and it seemed fine. And it, she touched him too many times, gained his ability to fly and his super strength, and killed him. So she can kill a mutant, too. Um, now, in My Hero Academia's world, she would have to be super careful and super consistent about everything because she would be because if she let that cork run wild one too many times, she's seen as a bad thing and gets excluded from society. In X Men, they go through the process of like, what if you could live without this? What if you could be normal? And many of the X Men are just like, we're fine. Um. We don't need this. But Rogue is like, no, I kind of do. I mean, at least Cyclops... Cyclops has a head cannon, but at least he, if he wears sunglasses or tinted glasses all the time, he can still see. I can't touch another person without killing them. Or at the very least, putting them in a coma for six months. Uh, you know... Uh, what... My Hero Academia is just getting at, and it it would have been a it would have been it's one of the rare points at which My Hero Academia would have been a stronger show if they had hinted at this. Is that superpowers someone doesn't choose to have, but they're born with, are not always good things, and it's not always good to have. And if and if you are grading, if you are selecting people based on whether or not their involuntary superpowers are tuned for polite society, for lack of a word, then you're going to create people who don't get to play the game, basically. And... The other interesting thing is that these the many of the characters who are heroes in My Hero Academia are not great people. You know, Mount Lady is super, super self-centered. And like, super just like, I'm going to make my ass big for the camera. <laughs> you know, um, sorry. Uh, Sir Night Eye is very, very, it's like a master tactician, but he is also, he's just like, weirdly broken. 
and it, so on both levels, My Hero Academia is creating these superheroes who are who are people who have chosen to be superheroes, not always for the good of mankind. And it's not it's not as that's not it's not as um and actually uh, part of what got me thinking about a lot about this is um Jeff Sue, professional shitbag of of my mother's basement fame, did a big video and he touched on some of this stuff, but um my uh, he did a big video on my hero academia, but in that video he mentioned the hero rating board in One Punch Man and how that has turned like super superheroes into people who do it as a job and people who do it for like fame and fortune and exclusively for fame and fortune. But the and I think My Hero Academia will have more of that conversation in the future. But, I like, right now, with it just, like, finding its sea legs in that conversation, it's really interesting because they are... Uh, they're confronting things and then just moving past them. They're not confronting things and asking the question of how to fix them yet. Um, don't get me wrong. I still watch the show every week and I love it. I just... I find it interesting... That they're like, well, these people are supervillains because they don't fit in society, and then they're like, moving on, we're going to now punch this person in the face with this wall. All Might, if you would. Um, and that... That, it's just interesting to me. Um, so I, on, and on that note, I hope that you liked this episode. I hope you tolerated my rambling for another week. Thank you. Um, I... Had a lot of fun talking about this. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun thinking about it. If you if you did like this show, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your podcast dispenser of choice, and you can give us a five star ratings if you, especially if you're listening on iTunes, but also if you're listening just about anywhere else where you can rate podcasts. Um, but until next time. I have been Alex, and you've been watching or listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you later.
Me.